This week's episode of the Props Podcast is brought to you by Classic Auctions. Head over to their website right now, classicauctions.net, to register to bid in their next auction that will feature items from the personal collection of Todd Sloan and J.J. Denault. The auction will include a nice mix of vintage and current items from your favorite sport. Don't wait. Register today at classicauctions.net. As we get ready for the seventh and final game of the Stanley Cup Finals, you can feel the electricity in the air, and there's no question, it just sends a chill up your spine, Paul. That's a fact, Mike. And to make things even more exciting, the Vice President of the United States is here this evening. Don't leave your seats. Doesn't look too good. 911 emergency services. I'm calling you from the Civic Arena. The vice president is being held hostage in the owner's box. And they've got my daughter, too. What is your objective? $1,700,000,000. We're still evaluating the situation. They want money, a lot of it. Give it to them. Do not try any kind of rescue. Do you understand me? If you're not going to pay, say so. I'll get my daughter. When the game ends, everyone in this box and in this arena will die by explosion, fire, and panic. Tonight. 17,000 hockey fans have been taken hostage. Enough bombs have been planted in this building to stop all the clocks in the hemisphere. But only one of them knows it. I'm gonna try to stop you. I know where the bombs are, so I know where you're going. Then come and get me. We are gonna do this by the numbers. What number was that? No, he has more to lose than anyone. I said, no vehicles on the grounds, no helicopters in the air. What part of that did you not understand? Jean-Claude Van Damme. Powers boost. And we are back. I am Eric. He is Kevin. This is the Props Podcast on the Beckett Podcasting Network. And today we are taking another long look at dun, 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 Sudden Death. 1995's own Sudden Death with Jean-Claude Van Damme. Kevin, by the smile on your face, I can tell that you loved this movie. This movie <laughs> is awesome. <laughs> Don't listen to the naysayers and... There's plenty of plot holes and this and that, but if you want to switch your brain off and watch two hours of nonsensical fun, this is the movie for you, man. You know what? As I watched this again this weekend, I was the my first thought coming away from this was there is no uh, love love situation for Kevin to bring down here but because you, they shot her in the head. They shot her in the head. Okay. So we're just going to get right into this. Let's do it. Because like the the closest 
that there comes to any sort of love story is with the gal who's going to play the penguin's mascot. And she, by the way, a bit of lax parenting for Jean-Claude Van Damme. A little bit, yeah. Well, I mean, look, you get the sense that Jean-Claude Van Damme, if you've never seen this movie before, they really lazily set up in the first two minutes that he used to be a fireman. Right. But then this little kid died like on his watch, even though in the recap, it seems like he went truly above and beyond to try to save the kid, but it didn't happen. And so I guess he just quit being a fire person. And then two years later, He's like doing security work and picking up his kids from his ex-wife, yeah. who their kids kind of like this new stepdad fellow that's not sitting well with him. Nope. And so he takes his two kids, who they're supposed to be going to a birthday dinner for his son, but he has tickets to the Stanley Cup Finals game seven, and so the mom's like, "Yeah, okay, I'd be a jerk <laughs> if I didn't let them go." And so he gets to he gets his kids for game seven of the Stanley Cup immediately pushes his daughter off on this lady sure who is the mascot and then like she takes the kid they kind of exchange a glance and you're like oh this could be a little something well you find out not too much longer <laughs> after that that she got shot in the head by this group of terrorists and, and then hung up on a yeah a or something and then like oddly enough jean-claude van damme takes her body off the hook and kind of stares longingly at her like you get a glimpse of that romance that just didn't happen sure and I was like, you need to stay focused, buddy. There are bombs to defuse during the Stanley there Cup finals. There are 20 bombs to defuse. But that's the closest you get to any sort of love story is, well, she got shot in the head. She so. got shot in the head. All right. Uh, let's talk about, well, let's, first, let's talk about the log line. Um, this is as plain and is as simple as it's going to get. I'm sure that there's a French version of this somewhere because this evidently did really well overseas or with sure, worldwide, am. and we'll talk about that later. But the the logline: "Terror goes into overtime." Can you give me a movie person voice and say that terror goes into overtime? Terror goes into overtime. Perfect for this movie, right? Spoiler alert! In <laughs> case you were really curious about if the Penguins could make a comeback in the third <laughs> period, well, they just told you that it's going to overtime. It kind of spoils it. Going to overtime. All right, this is a uh, this is a movie that. Just follows the 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 lineage of every Jean Claude Van Damme movie. It's got Van Damme and some other people in it. It's yeah. There <laughs> there is a big bag and nobody in there. I didn't even realize that was the same kid. You pointed out his son, who actually, believe it or not, we'll get to this later, has potentially the only emotionally effective moment in this entire movie <laughs> is the kid from Sleepless in Seattle. Right. The guy who plays the vice president is in this show that I'm kind of on the fence about that I watch called The Gifted. And then right. Powers Booth, who is in, I don't know, like every movie you've ever seen. Right. And we learned today is in the Texas Film Hall of Fame. Didn't know that. Woo! So... This movie is diehard set at the Stanley Cup Finals, sure, right? Right. So, you know, Jean Claude Van Damme is doing uh, he's doing security for the Penguins, who mm-hmm. are hosting Game Seven of the Stanley Cup right. Finals against can we, Chicago. Can we get this out of the way? Yeah, ninety four, ninety five Stanley Cup Finals. That's a lockout year, right? Yeah, Detroit Red Wings and the New Jersey Devils. So, not even closer. Ooh, <laughs> was ninety five not the? 95, 95 Stanley Cup champions. Uh, 
New Jersey Devils. Am I right there? I think I'm right. I Let me look this up. Hold on. I agree with that. Let me look it up. Let me look it up. I put my vote in for the Washington Capitals. Capitals didn't win one until... No, the, but being in the finals. Being in the finals? And losing to the Red Wings. Uh, let me see here. Let me see here. East Rutherford? Well, that would be New Jersey. Oh, okay. Well, there you go. <laughs> Joe Louis Arena? That would be Detroit. Okay. Uh, Claude Lemieux for the Devils? Wow. All was right. Was the MVP? Yeah, this was okay, uh, so they beat the okay. This was the uh, the Jersey the Jersey Devils won the won the finals. I and and they I think I had read that they filmed this at portions during the lockout when nobody yeah. had anything to do. Right. So yeah, so it's Game Seven of the Stanley Cup Finals. Jean Claude Van Damme is a security guard or whatever at the arena. Fire marshal for the Penguins. Yeah. yeah. Fire marshal security <laughs> guard. And the vice president's going to be at the game, which makes the logistics of security even more complicated. Mm-hmm. His little daughter still adores him, but his son is clearly bent out of shape that he hasn't gotten back to being a fireman. I don't yeah. like that part's not really explained. His son is actually, you know what his son's really mad about? He's clearly a deadbeat dad. That's yeah, what I took away from is. that is he hadn't spent much time <laughs> with his kid over the last two years. And so his kid's all bent out of shape about it. And so that's where you get it set up. And then it goes diehard where people m- manage to get their way in. And there's even amazing line from the hockey announcers. There's like, oh, nobody could get into this game tonight. <laughs> Not while, even if you were packing heat. That's yeah, <laughs> while the terrorists are dropping people left and right because they have to get their $1.7 billion from the various bank accounts that have been frozen. <laughs> so that's the setup. There's bombs across the arena, mm-hmm. and they're all set to go off. And so at the end of the first period, if you haven't transferred a third of the money, one person dies. I do like the symmetry of this. At the end yeah. of the second period, Two people die, and at the end of the third period, well, they're just going to explode the arena, and everybody's going to die. Everybody, Powers Booth is going to sacrifice himself. Is he though? I don't think so. Probably. He kind of got called out by I can't remember the vice president or the mayor who. Well, he doesn't get to run for re-election. No, gets shot in the head. (laughs) These, I will say, these people, these, this group of terrorists are very effective at carrying out their plans of murder because they do not screw around. The the one person the people i felt really bad for were the the head chef and yeah. his old lady wife because like no, andrew yeah no, <laughs> nobody can get up to the vice president's box unless they get through the old man chef who's clearly worked there for ten thousand years yes. and so a guy takes his wife hostage and makes her call him and then he kills her anyway yes. and then they kill the old man chef i was like oh that seemed uncalled i have her. to i have to admit that um as I was watching that part when they killed her, I was like, "Oh, this is a plot hole. They're not. They're not going to wrap this up like in any ways." And then I was sad. Sad to say, I was pleasantly surprised when they killed the chef just a few minutes later. That way, there's no longing there. That's right? A shocking statement. And, that you're pleasantly surprised <laughs> they killed that old man. And then, and then, but what I do have a problem with, and I know there's a lot of plot holes, and we'll get to them. But the the guy that killed the old lady, he's just gone. Like, oh yeah, he just uh, takes. He's just gone. That was his only job for the day. Yeah. And he was like, read all this and you'll be fine. And then he shot her anyway. And he, I mean, they go over the, they go Karate Kid 3 style bad guy over the top there where he's like, 
so gleeful that he gets to shoot this old lady. <laughs> and then they want to shoot Jean-Claude Van Damme's daughter. And Paris Booth's like, well, just kill her already. And exactly. you're like, wow, this is a whole different level of evil. You know, sometimes you get evil where, like, the adult males can get killed with no problem. But older ladies and right. children, children, they're yeah. fine. Nope. Nope. Kill the old lady. Kill the old man. Wanted to kill that little girl. Can we talk about the insults that Powers Booth was tossing? Uh, Joshua Foss was the character that he was playing. Was tossing. He called the mayor's wife a cow. That sure. is very 1990-ish insult. Can you shut that cow up? Yeah. Is what he well, said. because he didn't like that she talked back because yeah. she pointed out that she didn't think he was going to sacrifice himself. And to be fair, I kind of don't either. And he was kind of noncommittal. He goes, well, who knows? Yeah. And I was like, come on, dude. You you didn't show up there to kill yourself in a bunch of explosions. Exactly. He was clearly going to escape and then set off the 20 bombs that have been strategically placed. Although they don't really show much of that part where all the right. bombs get set up so right. somehow they infiltrated ahead of time and set up the bombs and yeah well they they did the security team thing so maybe when they uh got their security team disguises they went and set place set bombs okay well here's my other question about all that then how did they know how games five and six were going to turn out? Because there's a massive plot hole for me right there. How exactly did they know that Chicago and Pittsburgh were so evenly matched that they would make it to game seven? Did they do this whole bit in Chicago a couple days earlier where they were ready to blow up that arena? Did they decide they were only going to blow up that place if the Stanley Cup championship was won how did they know that the vice president would show up for game seven was that part of a campaign pledge he made it's like <laughs> and by the way if the stanley cup finals ever goes to seven <laughs> games i'll be there like there's a lot of like there's a lot of happenstance and luck that fall into this for their plan this is like when they were going to assassinate kennedy in miami the week before but they something they decided not to so yeah. they waited for Dallas. <laughs> so yeah so they just like so they just said hey do you think if whoever wins this game, who's losing in the series to force game seven, should we try to kill everyone in the next two days? You only got two days to figure this out. They yeah. put this whole plan together in two days. Well, this was 1990 script writing, Kevin. You have to give it that. Well, it's a Van Damme movie. So it I'm going to say, you know, don't worry about that. All right. So let's talk about. We'll get back into all that, I promise, because I know there's a no, lot of No, that's not even the best plot hole. There's like at least two more that are way better than that. Where were you Where were you when you first saw this? Do you remember that? I first saw this on video because when it came out, I think I was only 15, and I couldn't get anyone to take me okay. to the movies because... My mom was like, she was helpful and would take me to movies. She was not about to take me to a rated R Jean-Claude sure. Van Damme hockey-based movie. Right. And by the way, if you don't think this belongs in the hockey season of props, you are sadly mistaken because there is a lot, a lot of hockey there that is. takes place there in is. this game. So, yeah, I remember seeing it on video because this is, this is the point where, like, me and my friends were still obsessed with Van Damme, you know, yeah. absolutely got to go see Bloodsport, Blood Change yeah. Your Life, yeah. and everything like that. So, Cyborg. Yeah, like, yeah, for sure. And so if there was a Van Damme movie that was coming out, I was a teenage boy. I was going to watch it. Yeah. And this one also incorporated sports into it. So 
<laughs> Shut up and take my money. <laughs> and the stars, we've talked about the stars coming to Dallas uh, earlier in the season. Yes. But this is right on the tail end of the stars getting here. Absolutely. Yeah, it was uh, definitely. I felt like I could learn hockey from this movie, <laughs> which I did. Which you did. Uh, so we didn't mention, uh, we mentioned it, but we didn't get into the number. The box office for opening weekend was uh, opening weekend. Four point seven million dollars, and it total grossed twenty million. Feels low. And then worldwide, because of the foreign audience, sixty-eight point four percent of them saw it. Uh, Forty-four million worldwide. Really? So to- grand total, sixty-four point three million dollars. Okay, well that's good because I don't particularly remember this movie making a box office splash. Yeah. But I don't remember a lot of Jean-Claude Van Damme movies making a box office splash. I feel like people's shame prevented them from going and speaking to another human to buy that ticket. But at the video store, you could just stash Bloodsport and and Sudden Death in with Sense and Sensibility and hope that they wouldn't notice your trash movie selections. Sure. Which, by the way, I worked at a video store. We always noticed, and we (laughs) talked about it afterwards. Uh, And so I feel like he made a killing... In the home video market. Oh, of course. Not so much in the box, box office. office. Um, I definitely would agree because I the first time I saw this was also uh, at the home video. This was sure. this was another this was another Friday night. Dad dad picks a movie. Mom picks a movie. And you know, much like your sense and sensibility, yep. or, uh, my mom's go-to movie was Roadhouse. I cannot tell you how many times. Really, I hate Roadhouse. Like with a passion, I hate that movie. You know, they're remaking that. Oh God, with, with box office poison, Ronda Rousey. Oh, jeez, I I cannot stand Roadhouse at all. I've seen it so many wow. times, and it, it's not it's not even I don't it's not that I don't think it's a good movie. I think it's I think it's decent for what it is, right? Sure. But I've just seen it so many times that I just I can't stand it. it that sounds like the reason why I don't like the uh, show Red versus Blue. Okay. I heard it's really good, but when I was in college, we were all supposed to go out on a Friday night, and instead they were like, hey, let's watch an episode of Red versus Blue, and that turned into let's watch 12 episodes of it. And we didn't Ooh. go out at all. It's like, we're in college. What are we doing? What are we doing? So I turned against that show. I understand. Might be a fine show. I don't know. So this was a, a total box office uh not but it did well uh, worldwide, but this was a total box office miss for me because we were watching it uh, at home on a Friday night. And much as I described earlier in the season, this was a uh, kids get your plates. We're going to the living room to watch a movie. Oh yeah, and uh, that's that's what we did. So uh, hey, I, I I think that's a fine way to spend a Friday night as a child is yes. watching the very R-rated <laughs> sudden death. I support it. My parents watched it with us, so it was okay. 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 <laughs> <laughs> what are those little red holes in their head mean? Yeah. It means they're dead. They're dead. They got shot so, in the head. I don't know if I've ever told this story here. I've told it on other shows before, but the, this is not a scary movie by any means, but my very first horror movie, scary yeah. movie, was Evil Dead 2, and I was petrified. Yes. I was absolutely petrified, did not want to see it, and my my stepdad, God bless him, uh, he said, he said, Eric, this is actually a very funny movie, and I'll, and I'll tell you why. This is all corn syrup and red blood dye, and none of this is real. Monsters aren't real. Now let's sit down and have a good time and watch this. And we did. I loved it. And it I've, is horrifyingly graphic. It is very horrifying graphic. It's a fun movie. So uh, when, when you see old girl hung up on the rack with a, yeah. with a hole in her head, mm-hmm. uh, you know, Jean-Claude looking longingly at her. Oh, yeah. I was completely prepared for that because I I had seen Evil Dead and I knew it was all just corn syrup. It was it was really well managed too because 
there seems to be no splatter or anything from any yeah, of these. Yeah, none at all. Which leads to another one of my favorite, well, we haven't gotten quite to my favorite moment of the movie because <laughs> it is truly incredible and I think should be studied in film school, is <laughs> the replacement mascot kills someone in the bathroom and I love how nonchalant it is at the end of the first period. The little girl, Jean-Claude Van Damme's daughter, she sees and she screams and so they're about to murder her but then it's the end of the first period and everyone's charging for the bathroom and so the replacement mascot simply pushes the dead body back into the stall and shuts the door and stands in front of it as if... Nobody is going to be able to see <laughs> that dead body lying on the floor. And nobody said anything, and they just walked right out of the bathroom. So that was nice. And how about all the women just nonchalantly walking into the bathroom when the mascot is standing in front of said door with yeah, dead woman? Yeah, wouldn't you think I the mean, mascot's and, a man? And, exactly. Not to, not to be sexist or anything like that, but most mascot that... It, that I know are happen to be of the male variety. And I will say, if you believe that's sexist, I would say aim higher aim than being higher. upset about who's the mascot. We already pointed out that the mascot was a female. I'm just saying, if you saw a giant mascot, I that would give me cause for concern. Speaking of the mascot being female, let's talk about how effeminate the man that was replacing her he looked like, did he have a wig on? Was oh, that a man? It was. I, I just thought it was a giant lady. Because. He well, if it was, she was going toe for toe with the best Jean Claude Van Damme there ever was. Which is good because that is the greatest scene in this movie. <laughs> okay, right? give it to me. Give it Go to me. Go out of your way. If you listen to this podcast and you're like, this movie sounds stupid. It is, but it's fun. And if you think it's too stupid for you to watch, that's fine. Watch the fight scene between replacement mascot and Jean Claude Van Damme. It is truly incredible. At one point. John Claude Van Damme pushes the mascot's head into the fan above right. one of the ovens, right. and part of its head gets chopped off, <laughs> and it looks like it's kind of woozy. And I was like, "But that's not your real head. That's the mascot head." And like, part of the mascot's eyeball is cut off, and then it just keeps fighting, yep. and then eventually meets its doom when it's strangled via the industrial dishwasher, dishwasher which is truly incredible. That fight scene is amazing, and I mean that with no sarcasm or irony. You must watch it. Kevin, have you ever spent any time in a restaurant kitchen? I haven't. You haven't. Um, I have. Is this scene accurate? No. Could you kill someone in the industrial dishwasher? You might not strangle them, but you would burn them. You sure? That thing gets really, really hot. Okay. Health code is a son of a gun, and you know you can't eat off dirty plates. So you get thrown, you get strung through that industrial sized uh, washing machine. You're gonna get scalded pretty well. That part is amazing, but I really like part of the mascot's head getting chopped off by the fan above yeah. the oven, and then it's <laughs> staggering for a second as if its actual head has been cut off. Amazing. We're gonna get to the hockey in a minute. I promise we will. But I want to talk about the like. Up until that point in the film, there was, I'm like, why is Jean-Claude in this? There was not your typical Jean-Claude fight scenes. Right. And that was the first one. I'm like, oh, here we go. We're going to get going. This really, this film, I missed that from him because that's what I know him as, right? That I, you, just, you just didn't it's get a lot of broad it. broad action. Yeah. Because he plays more of an action star as yeah. opposed to like an ass kicker. Yeah. Head-to-head combat. Yeah. Hand-to-hand combat. I want to see him fight Bolo Young. You know, I want to see I want to see that kind of stuff. Right. And instead, he's, you know, 
kicking the crap out of Icy, the the, the Pittsburgh mascot. Sure. <laughs> that may or may not have been a woman. We're not entirely sure. I thought it was a guy. <laughs> she might have might have been or a lady. Yeah. Might have been one of those commie I thought it was a lady. <laughs> those commie ladies from East Germany or something sure. like that. I don't know. <laughs> All right. Uh so we got to talk about the sports. Uh, and I think this is an easy segment for the show here because this is keeping it real. They used actual hockey players for this. Luke Robitaille. Luke Robitaille. Uh, well, I, pu- I pulled up. I did, I did us the liberty of uh, pulling up the 94-95 uh, rosters for the teams. Do they still have Tom Barrasso? Uh, Tom Barrasso was... Uh, should have been in goal that night. Yes. It wasn't. Would have solved a lot of problems for the yeah, narrative of this it movie. It surely would have. So uh, on the Pittsburgh side, uh, Yammer Yager. Right. Uh, Ron Francis, Robitaille, Larry Murphy, Joe Mullen. Uh, those guys are all there. John Cullen was there. Kevin Stevens was there. Who scored a goal in the game? Yes. Uh, Ulf Samuelson. I remember Ulf Samuelson. Yeah. <laughs> um, all those guys were on that team. Uh, looking through the rest of this, this is just some also rands. And then the Chicago Blackhawks, as I scroll down to their roster, Tony Amonti, Ed Belfour. Uh, ah, Ed Belfour, future star. Yeah, Eddie the Eagle, right? Give you a billion dollars not to turn me. That is cop. the greatest story ever. Um, let's see who, Chris Chelios. Yes. And everybody's favorite, or at least should have been a favorite uh, American hockey player at the time, outside of Mike Madonna, Mr. Jeremy Roenick. Yeah, Jeremy Roenick was, I mean, I guess I remember when he went up over to Phoenix, too. It did feel like he was one of the faces of mm-hmm. American hockey. I could definitely get down with that. There, There is an amazing scene when you're introduced to all the Penguins players mm-hmm. in the locker room where they casually, <laughs> they do a good job of foreshadowing right here, and they casually have Jean-Claude Van Damme mention that he played semi-pro mm-hmm. goalie yeah. in the Canadian Hockey yeah. League. And I was like, oh, what an odd bit of exposition. <laughs> sure. Surely that'll never come up again in the movie. Think again. Right. That was so horrible and cheesy. So uh, let's talk about the game. Can we do that? Yes. Because the game, I'm, I was telling you off air, there was one hell of a hockey game going yeah. on behind all this there, other there stuff. Were multiple lead changes. Yes. It never got outside of a one goal game. Right. And I mean, it's game seven of the Stanley Cup finals. Exactly. So. Which arguably is the best game of any. Sure. I mean, no, absolutely. <laughs> so it's this, this is a, a make believe game, obviously, but geez, if it was, this is something I want to be at. No, absolutely. <laughs> it was a great back. I mean, think about it. Someone's winning the Stanley Cup that night. Mm-hmm. The vice president is there. Mm-hmm. It never gets to be more than a one-a-goal difference, sure. and there are multiple lead changes and numerous fights. And that's before you even know about all the political subtext and <laughs> all, all the explosions and stuff that are getting ready to happen. It would look like a fun game. Yeah, definitely a fun game. Um, so here I want to talk about the kids. Obviously, so she gets up. Where does she get up to go? She well, so she gets up to go to the bathroom. Yeah, right. That's right. Jean Claude Van Damme gives both of them a speech about, and once again, this will lead to the only emotionally effective <laughs> moment in the movie, outside of when he looks at that girl that he took off the hook after she's dead. Is he goes, do not leave these seats. I don't care if the building is coming down, down around, around you. you. Once again foreshadowing <laughs> don't leave these seats well the son he's kind of a jerk and he brings his little water pistol mm-hmm. which again 
will make a big move later in the movie. Later. <laughs> and he squirts his sister, and she's had enough, and she gets up and leaves, and he's like, Dad said we're not supposed to leave. Well, she's not having any of that because he's being a jerk, and right. so she leaves and goes to the bathroom where she sees replacement mascot who's murdered that person who conveniently kicks them under the stalls and nobody <laughs> notices. In an odd way, this movie has a lot of good continuity. I know it doesn't seem like it, but these things all tie together. Are yeah. there lots of absurd things that make no sense? Sure, but in terms of continuity, they put everything together. They showed you that that first mascot lady got murdered. Absolutely. Man, I'm looking at her. I'm looking at her IMDb page. She has not done anything since 2008. I don't recall. I don't recall that girl. But then again, I didn't recall the kid either until you mentioned Sleepless, the son either until you mentioned Sleepless in Seattle. And I was like, oh, yeah, that's right. She. She made an appearance on the Arsenio Hall show, which was huge really? at the time. Okay. Uh, doesn't really seem, but she's only got four credits to her name. So she was just a kid actor and was like, I'm yeah, with pretty this. much. Uh, maybe, she helped save the day. So she did help save the day. That's that's looking at that. That's kind of sad, kind of sad because even the young man uh, who who was in Sleepless in Seattle, uh, Ross Malinger, he's been in some things. Yeah, you know, but not this this young lady just. Tapped out and said, no more, no thank you. Well, he was also responsible for one of the most amazing moments in this movie where his little squirt gun. Yes, let's he, talk about that. He squirted his sister with mm-hmm. that I guess was filled with water, but the laws of physics lead me to believe that was not the case later because one of the FBI agents who's helping out, who of course we find out is actually working for the terrorists. The bad guys. Well, he gets set on fire later in the movie because Jean-Claude Van Damme, he's unarmed. He's facing this guy with a gun who's a traitor. Mm -hmm. Well, then again, he's not totally unarmed because somehow he has a lighter and Mm -hmm. he also has this squirt gun, which I've been led to believe is filled with water, but apparently is filled with hairspray or gasoline or something. Right. Because he squirts the flame and sets (laughs) the guy on fire, which is Awesome. <laughs> he looked like Kane when he took off his mask for the first time. Yes. <laughs> so, like, here's how I would describe this movie. If you're listening and you're still on the fence, if you think the idea of a squirt gun that the main character got from his son that's probably filled with water somehow can ignite this flame from a lighter that he has that's never fully explained right. and set a traitor on fire sounds funny to you, you need to watch this movie. Yes. If it's too <laughs> stupid for you to wrap your mind around, skip this movie because it's filled with lots of stuff like <laughs> that. Lots and lots of stuff. I know that we were just talking about you, the only emotional drawing scene in this film was the kid didn't move. That is oh. the most well-behaved oh, yeah. 12, 13-year-old child. If I tell my son, nope, don't move, he's getting up. Dude, that and that 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 kid had the best delivery and acting moment of anyone in that movie because <laughs> eventually all hell breaks loose. There's an explosion. The, the scoreboard explodes, more mm-hmm. or less. Everyone leaves. There's gunshots being heard. That kid doesn't move, and he's the only person in the arena. John claude Van Damme runs back with his little girl and finds him, and he goes, I didn't leave my seat, Dad. <laughs> I didn't leave my seat. And I'm not going to lie. I was like... Good job, kid. I like. I hate that kid for most of the movie because he's a jerk. But in that moment, I was like, "You did good. You did good. Oh, <laughs> uh, we usually mention. Plus, by the way, his ex-wife and the stepdad have really got to regret letting those kids go to that game at you that know, point, right? 
uh, we usually mention awards uh, somewhere yes. in, in the film. I want to know what awards this movie won. <laughs> Zero. What? It, it was not nominated. Oh. It was not not thought of in any category ever. I can't say that. Uh, That's surprising. No, exactly. But this, uh, I, you know, there's not much more to review because it's your typical Jean-Claude Van Damme movie. Oh, isn't there? Go ahead. Okay. <laughs> there is more to review from this movie. Because, once again, I will give props for the continuity because of the way they finally catch the main bad guy, Powers Booth, is, of course, oh, the they take the little girl hostage, and she's got her little stamp pad with her, and she stamps her dad earlier because that's how you know they have a connection. Yeah. And then she stamps Powers Booth, which kind of throws that whole connection she has with her dad out the window. And so later on, Powers Booth is trying to escape, and he dresses up like a hockey fan. Can we talk about that wig? Oh, that wig's incredible. <laughs> it's the worst thing I've ever seen. And the little girl spots the hand stamp. She goes, it's him, Daddy. That's him. And so that's how they catch Powers Booth. And eventually, like they've are at this point, they've already cleared out the arena because the scoreboard has already exploded. Mm-hmm. All the fans have left. One of the hockey announcers says, holy S on air, right. which I feel like they'll forgive him for because <laughs> of all the circumstances and whatnot. And so the whole arena's cleared out. But there is a truly incredible scene where the bad guys are escaping in the helicopter. Mm-hmm. And even though they're just outside the arena, which dome opens? A little weird. Is that a real thing I was not familiar with? Um, I've never seen, I don't recall too many NBA or NHL stadiums that have oh, open you know, roofs. Open dome, yeah. But apparently that's a thing. So they just barely escape in the helicopter. And they're already laughing maniacally, even though they're still, like, pulling away from the spot where they're escaping. And Jean-Claude Van Damme, of course, finds a machine gun, shoots the other two people that Mm -hmm. are in the plane, but not Powers Booth. He gets to survive long enough to see the guy die, pull back on the throttle, and pull the helicopter through the open (laughs) arena and it smashes onto the ice and explodes as you get slow motion and explosion and everything like that. And he dies in a firebomb explosion on the ice. But then the movie is just over. My daddy's a fireman. Yeah. That's that's how it ends. And here is where I have the biggest plot, uh, the biggest issue with this plot. Who won the Stanley Cup? Exactly. All right. So we're in Game 7 in the Stanley Cup. It's tied. We're in sudden death. Mm -hmm. Everyone has left the ice. I get it. You can't complete the game that night. But, like, where do you play the game now? (laughs) Because this arena is sufficiently thrashed and you've exploded the ice. Do you go back to Chicago? Because that seems unfair to the Penguins, who right. earned home ice advantage somehow, some way. Do you play it at a neutral site? Do you restart the whole game? Or do you just say, hey, you were already in sudden death. Let's just do this. How long do you wait? Surely this was traumatic for some of the players. And you know what? Maybe they were close with the mayor, who, by the way, let's not forget, got murdered during the game. <laughs> and, like, do you allow fans into this game? Because if you do, that seems irresponsible, seeing as how last time your security got destroyed even though the vice president is going to be there. How does this all take place? I thought for sure they would say like two months later and they would show Jean-Claude Van Damme picking up his kids again with a 1995 Pittsburgh Penguins Stanley Cup champion hat on. There you go. None of that happens. The movie is just over. It is a very... 
big letdown at the end. Yeah. But damn it if that hockey game wasn't good. <laughs> I know, but now we'll never get to know who won. Did Chicago, who doesn't get any focus in the movie, just pull it out? Do the fans even care? Like, I don't know. Does that help the city of Pittsburgh heal after this horrible tragedy? <laughs> I don't know. So in 1918-19, the 1918-19 hockey season, um, the year prior, the Seattle Metropolitans had won. They became the first team to wow. ever, the first American team to win the Stanley Cup. Uh, before then, it was just torn around Canada, right? And now Canada never wins. And now Canada it. never wins it, right? So uh, that's a Jim Rome take. I thought I thought you didn't like Mr. Jim Rome. Jim Rome is a jerk, <laughs> but I will tell you this: the Stanley Cup. It's an American trophy. It is now. It's that's been <laughs> what like twenty three years since the Canadians have won it. Yep. So just saying, so do something. Seventeen eighteen. Uh, the the Metropolitans win, are become the first American team to win the Stanley Cup. They beat Montreal, the Montreal Maroons. Uh, the next, the following season. 1819 season, Stanley Cup is canceled because the flu, influ, the influenza epidemic is going on, and part of the team dies. What? So uh, they are again oh playing. My God! They are again playing Montreal, and uh, they uh, they they cancel the the Cup Finals. No one ever knows who wins that Stanley Cup. If we can't get a winner there, wow. why can we not get and we can't get one in nineteen ninety five when Man. when blowing up helicopters and the flu epidemic is not around and this is like Haley's Comet once yeah. every seventy years or so. <laughs> 76 years, something horribly tragic. So if you go to the 2071 Stanley Cup Finals, look out because something bad's going to happen. Something bad's going to happen. Uh, speaking of uh, Stanley Cup Finals and great hockey action, I want to mention uh, first for the first time in the show, Classic Auctions. Go check them out. Uh, their fall auction is going on. Make sure you get uh, registered and involved with that. Um, this, this movie was horrible, like you said, but I just couldn't turn away. And I can't believe what a horrible job we've done at bringing up the most preposterous scenario in the entire movie. Which is? It's that Jean-Claude Van Damme takes the net for Pittsburgh oh, at one point so this during was, the third period. I was actually saving this uh, for the final segment. Okay. But, but we'll do it here. That's amazing. We'll do it here. He, he takes the net. I don't know what happened in that locker room that he got that full... Kit off of that man laying on the on the on the yes table? because they set up earlier in the movie yeah. that they're the Pittsburgh's regular goalie not Tom Barrasso had, had the flu and he yeah and he's all broken down already anyway and so he's got 104 fever and so he leaves the ice and he needs to be replaced by the backup goalie and he's still wearing all of his gear while just laying on the training table which right. by the way nobody is there taking care of him nobody right that seems irresponsible. <laughs> And so Jean-Claude Van Damme somehow gets all of his gear off the guy while a terrorist is hunting him down. Right. And not only does he get all the equipment, he puts it all on himself, himself fast enough not to be noticed by the terrorist. Right. And then he gets back out on the bench, and the coach is like, are you feeling better? Then get back out there. Jean-Claude Van Damme makes an incredible save somehow, to which the sportscasters are like, that's the best save all year. And I was like, sure, why the hell not? <laughs> But then what's even more amazing to me is even though he sat on the bench, even though he's out on the ice, none of his teammates can tell that it's a different guy. None of them. But the terrorist who's walking through the stands 
takes a look at John Claude Van Damme, <laughs> who punches out a Chicago player to get off the ice. He knows that that's John Claude Van Damme, even though mm-hmm. none of his teammates can tell. Can we talk about the thousand dollar fine that he's given on the oh, way off the yeah, ice? Yeah, coach is like, that's a thousand dollar fine. <laughs> the other part I don't understand is. All of the Pittsburgh fans are going insane and cheering because the goalie just punched another player. Here's the issue I have with that. That's your starting goalie, you think. He also just made the best save of the game. Right. And you're going to be a man short in the deciding game of the season. Why would you not be yelling at your goalie (laughs) for such a foolish, low IQ hockey play? He went full Ron Hextall on somebody. He did. And everyone's that, like, yeah. That just shows that he, he was he was never going to be better than an amateur hockey player in the first place. Yeah. Because he didn't understand. Although with that save, I could see why he made it so far. You know, that's that that's inconsequential inconsequential to the to the I mean, is it I think inconsequential? It, because if he doesn't make that save, then the game ends and everything explodes. Well, he's a selfish player, is what I'm getting at. Oh, sure. He's selfish. He just he just cares about getting to his kid. I'd be inclined to agree with that. And how about the the cheesiness of the "I love you" sign? So his son knows that it's him. Oh yeah, and his son <laughs> just stops down, and he's like, "Oh my gosh!" And I mean, I w- I wish they would have cut to the broadcasters at that point, and they're like, "Oh, never seen this from this goalie who's clearly been with the team forever. He just did some weird signal in the middle of Game Seven. Oh, we plot. should probably talk about that plot holes. <laughs> He, nope. He Willis Reeds or AKA Aaron Rodgers the situation. Man, temporary <laughs> reference. And comes out and just makes the save of the game and get, immediately gets kicked back out of the game. Uh, speaking of Aaron Rodgers, can we talk about this? I know it's a hockey show. How high was he last night at after the like after the game doing the interview? He like he was on some kind of painkiller or something. He had to have been. Well, when you have <laughs> Khalil Mack harassing you all game and you almost got man, looked like what was going to be a horrifying injury earlier yeah. in the game, and they still figured out a way to win. Yeah, that was wild. That was that was really crazy. Uh, not hockey related, so we'll move on. But all right, I ask every time: Is this a classic? It, it, if we're comparing it against the Mighty Ducks, no, it's not a classic. But damn it, if this movie is not a classic, <laughs> it's I so horrible. Love <laughs> terrible movies, whether it's The Room or Trolls Two or whatever. <laughs> Trolls Two. That movie's incredible. Wait a minute, you said The Room? Isn't that movie about the the lady who gets uh, held hostage who no, has no, a no, son? No, 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 no. That movie is just called Room. Oh, okay. And that won Brie Larson an Academy Award. Yeah. The Room is the movie The Disaster Artist was based on that came out in 2003. It's incredible. Change your life. Just okay. don't ever watch it by yourself. Go to the Inwood, see a midnight showing. So <laughs> I love terrible movies. And this movie is a classic in the terrible movie genre. If you want to get together with some friends of yours who love hockey, this will be a great use of two hours of your life. It really will, and I don't mean that sarcastically. It's super fun. It, it's terrible, it but is. it's so fun. All right, so I w- we haven't done this with other films. I wanted to do this now, though, if we can. If we can. I want to power rank this against other Jean-Claude Van Damme movies. Okay. Can we do that? Yeah. Is it possible? Let's do it. All right, so uh, I think Bloodsport is number one. Yes. Right? I mean, it absolutely has to be. Bloodsport's awesome. Uh, Lionsheart? 
I I always had a soft spot for uh, Kickboxer. Okay. That was one of me and my friend's favorite. Uh, so I think I would put Kickboxer number two. I love that movie. You know what? I will agree with you there, but I have to put Lionsheart three and then uh, and then four Cyborg. Okay. You know what I hated? What was the? It was the Dennis Rodman movie that he was double team. D- double team. I did not particularly care for that. Uh, oh, can we power rank the episode of Friends he was in? Do you remember that? He was in a post-Super Bowl two-episode arch of Friends. Are you about to tell me you've never seen an episode of Friends? The hell is happening right now? <laughs> can we be friends still? <laughs> oh, my gosh. Like, you don't have to like the show, but you've never seen the show? I've seen... I've Honestly... On it, I I can count on one hand the number of episodes I've seen. I feel like we. I don't know if we can be friends after this. What about Universal Soldier? Because that's got you know, Dolph Lundgren. It, in it does too. have Dolph Lundgren in it. That's got to be in the top five. I think it does. Uh, then also Sleeper Kung Fu Panda because he voices Kung. <laughs> All right. I I could see that, but I thought of another Sleeper. All right. It's not a good movie. The movie Time Cop. Yeah, that's horrible. Okay, that movie's horrible, but it has a, a particular scene that I enjoy with a gal by the name of Mia Sarah. Okay. Mia Sarah played Ferris Bueller's girlfriend, mm-hmm. and she was also in the movie Legend with Tom, yep. uh, Tom this Cruise. This is the second time this season you've brought yeah, it That's right. It's a terrible <laughs> movie that I love very much. I loved her, and so there's some good times in that movie. Okay. Uh, the Quest, which is eh. Oh, look, here he is. There's his friend's credit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he was in Street Fighter. Street that movie Fighter, was horrible. Uh, I put that movie last. I hate that movie. All right, so uh, there's time. Oh, Hard Target. I forgot about Hard Target. What's the What's the plot behind Hard Target? I'm not sure. I recall that. It's one. kind of a. It's kind of the uh, hard to kill. Uh, you know, you can't that whole. Well, you know, Jean Claude Van Damme and uh, Fat Boy, who wears the kimono, uh, Steven Seagal. They make the same oh, movies. Yeah, yeah. They make so hard to kill was uh, Steven Seagal's Mason. He, so this was his version of yeah, that. yeah, uh, man. So I think this is squarely in the top ten because of how horrible it is. Oh yeah, let's but, see, Bloodsport, mm-hmm. Lionheart, uh, yeah. Oh, the Expendable movies too. Expendables. I don't know if I I saw the other ones. I saw the first one. I don't know if I saw the rest of them. Kickboxer. Mm-hmm. I might put this in the top five. I think this is such mindless fun that I really enjoy it. I think it's a top five. I for almost call this Universal Soldier. I, I almost call this Frank Do Saves a Hockey Game. And <laughs> I can see that. I can absolutely see that. And then, have you seen the new Kickboxer, the one that was made for net- Netflix? No, I'm not even sure I knew that was a thing. Also, Dave Batista in that. We'll get to Batista in a minute. Uh, it's not great by any means. No, but he plays uh, he plays the trainer of the of the new fighter. So I heard John Claude Van Damme had a TV show that was actually pretty good. JCVD. Yeah, where JCVD. He plays it a yeah. little more serious. Yeah. Okay. That is definitely a thing. All right. So uh, three things you could have from this film. What would they be? <sighs> Again, check out classic I'll, auctions. I mean, the number one thing that I want from this movie is that uh, partially decapitated mascot head. Okay. I absolutely, <laughs> I absolutely want that. Uh, ooh, that's, let's see. I want, ooh, can I have the $1.8 billion that were illegally stolen? Sure. Okay, not? then I take that. <laughs> and then I eventually want the... 
Well, I guess the game tying hockey puck because the season just never, ended in a draw. It never, it never. So Luke Robitaille, I want, I think Robitaille, Robitaille is the yeah, one yeah. who scored the game tying goal. Cut that one a little close. He could score with five seconds left, and that would have been pretty dramatic. Where too. was Yager during this whole thing? Yeah, he no, was the most prolific scorer on the ice. He he wasn't he wasn't a player in this. Uh, so yeah, I would want the game tying puck, the okay. Luke Robitaille, because I think that's how the season ends. I think they declare co Stanley Cup okay. champions. <laughs> what is that, this? The 1991 uh, that, NCAA. That football. is that is my bold prediction: is that they named co. Look, you can't replay the game. No. Where is it going to take place? Plus, Pittsburgh is in mourning for a variety of reasons. Are you going to let fans be there? Are all the players okay after? I mean, I say they declared co Stanley Cup champions, and I want that history. Puck. This is uh, the Washington Huskies and Miami uh, Hurricanes yes. of the early 90s. Sure. And ah. this will cause a change to the system BCS now. It will. It will. All right. So my three things. I want, just like last time with Goon in the mascot uh, doll, I want one of those blown up penguins. Yeah, they test the bombs on yes. yes. I want one of those uh, since you took the, the mascot head, which is fine. Um, I want I want that Luke Robitaille jersey. I want, sure, uh, he's a player. He's, man. A, he's a real player here, and uh, he saved everybody. He, I mean, Jean Claude Van Damme saved some people, but really, Luke Robitaille saved the most people because otherwise, the game's over and that building is exploding. That's right. He's the he's the real hero. That's what I'm saying. Uh, also, this is a military tradition, and it's a might it might be a little far fetched, but follow me here. Um, so when you done when you've done something well or uh, of of noteworthy, and they they don't want to pin a medal on you for for they. A, a commander or a captain or a first sergeant or a command sergeant major, sometimes they have coins and they'll give you a military coin. Oh, yeah, okay. So then you'll like, yeah, good, jo- good job, soldier, or whatever. Uh, it's usually for like immediate gratification. Yeah, you've done this, so here you go. I think the pre- the vice president, I need a vice president coin. I have a coin. Because he's got it. Yeah, yeah. I have a coin from... Uh, the Dick Cheney bathroom situation. No, not that situation. Uh, same same deployment. It was uh, from the, the, the chief of staff of the Army. So okay. I, I have a coin from him. Wow. Uh, but I need a coin from the vice president in this situation because I just saved your life, vice president. Oh, absolutely. And um, I, I, I need that coin for my I collection. think it's a great one. I like it. I like it too. All right. Ratings. Oh... I can't. You got to remove yourself from this situation. <laughs> do we go? Where do we go first? IMDb. So, uh, just to let the audience know, I looked up Metacritic and it was not on there. Not surprising. That site is too hoity-toity for a movie like this. So we are going to go IMDb first. I think this may be a little surprising as well. Two. No. Higher. A three. Higher. Really. <laughs> If it's higher than a five, I might fall out of my chair. It is a five seven. Shut up! Are you kidding me? <laughs> it is a five seven. Wow, that is ridiculous. A five seven. A five seven. Uh, okay, because I was going to say Rotten Tomatoes is like twenty five percent, but now I have to reevaluate. You have to reevaluate right, that. I'll say. I will give you the audience score on Rotten Tomatoes. Audience score should be in the eighties or the nineties. Thirty eight percent. Bull crap! Are you kidding me? That is the audience score. Okay, then I. Oh no! Wait, wait, wait! Time out. I have. To, I have to bring this up. I, I see this right here on the. What was that jar of powder that he made? That was his homemade bomb that he knew okay. was going to work. Okay, all right. Because he's a fireman <laughs> and he knows what. 
things explode. I don't know. That was his homemade bomb, so he could get into the, uh, and so he could get into the box where he knew the vice president was being held hostage. Right. But he also knew that it would explode, yet not take out any of the innocent people in there. How did he know? I don't it know. He was a fireman. Uh, all, all right, right. tomato if, meter. If the audience score is a thirty-eight, I'm going to say it's a thirteen. No, much higher. Forty uh, percent. Still higher. What? It's so it's higher than the audience score. Yes, that's shocking to me. Fifty-four percent. Wow. So it's five seven on IMDb and fifty-four percent. So perhaps this movie isn't as terrible. I mean, that's absurd. How <laughs> critics gave that fifty-four percent, but the audience like this strikes me as a movie where the audience should be work, walking out and be like, "Yeah, burn damn." Yeah. And critics is like, "Ugh, tragic." Yes. Wow, that's. Well, Little, uh, not a little known fact. It is, it is a known fact that Pittsburgh Penguins owner Howard Baldwin was a producer of this film. So I also heard that James Woods was initially in the mix to play the Powers Booth character. Really? But he didn't like the direction the character took. And I was like, what does that mean? <laughs> you didn't like the direction the terrorist took? <laughs> even though he, even though in the movie he's like, I'm not a terrorist. Yeah. Well, you kind of are. You kind of are. Uh, wow, that's way higher. Is that is that that's much higher than you thought? Yes, obviously. I cannot envision the New York Times critic being like, "Oh, surprising emotional heft in this movie." <laughs> it's all because of that kid. All when because that, when of that kid <laughs> says, "I didn't leave my chair." All right, uh, it hits you in the feels. This is the second to last episode of season two of Props. It's been real fun, but we've saved the best for last. We're going to end on probably the filthiest movie I've ever seen, Slapshot. So I have a controversial thing to tell you before we get to that. You've never seen it? No, I have seen it. Okay. So at one time, I've only seen it one time because I don't recall thinking it was terribly good. (laughs) So that was a long time ago, and I know this is easily the most beloved hockey movie of all time. So I'm actually looking forward to watching it again and seeing, was I just being too judgmental? Does it not hold up? Because this movie's like, what, 40 years old? 77, yeah. Yeah, so it's 41 years old. I do love Paul Newman, though, so yeah. I'm looking forward to seeing how it holds up. Can I can I make a confession here on this episode? Um, two As of two years ago, I had never seen this, uh, never seen what? Slapshot. You even had a Hanson Brothers yeah. uh, thing that exactly. we took. So, uh, yeah, exactly. Uh, I, when I originally met the Hanson brothers, I had never seen the film. Wow. I knew all the line. I knew what you were supposed to know about it, but I'd never seen it all put together as one. So I meet the Hanson brothers to take the great photo and everything's, everything's awesome with that. The following, so that was in the, that was in the fall show in the Toronto fall. So the following spring, we went to back up to Toronto for the spring sports card expo memorabilia coming up in November again, November 9th, 10th and 11th. Uh, the whole cast, the whole living cast of Slapshot shows up. Right. And <laughs> the uh, the guy who runs the show is named Steve Menzi. He's a great person. He, he does a lot for the hockey card collecting community. He puts on a great show uh, twice a year up there. And he says, hey, um, the guys from Slapshot just showed up, and we need to interview them. Do you want to do it? And I was like, yeah, that that that'd be great. Uh, I'll do that. Uh, so, so they show up. I had never seen the film. Wow. My former co-host, Mr. Paul Worth was with me. Never seen the film. Wow. 
we are literally putting together questions about a movie that we've never seen to ask ask these guys what saved us was that they had before they went on stage and did their art we did our little presentation we got to spend about an hour with them before we went up there oh just so we were just chit-chatting and that we just carried that conversation on over to the stage that saved our lives so at no point were they like you've never seen this movie at all have you Uh, no they weren't so i got home from toronto and immediately watched that movie. Smart. <laughs> immediately. Smart. And which we are going to watch it again, and we're going to close out season two with Slapshot next week. And then we're going to do, uh, you want to you do football or basketball next? Oh, man, there's a ton of good basketball movies. There is. Uh, let me ponder that. Perhaps we'll reveal that in the season finale. We shall do that. We shall do that. All right, guys. Thanks for hanging out this week. Hope you enjoyed uh, this horrible horrible movie but it was a great it was a great watch go go check it out if you need them if if you need a mindless hour and a half go do that that's a wrap cut